0: Have you ever received feedback that hurt kind of a little or maybe a lot?
1: You were having a rough week and it was the absolute worst time.
2: Or you did a really awesome job at something and the person found the one
0: thing that wasn't so great about it? I've been there. You know, getting and receiving feedback can be difficult, maybe even painful, and it just isn't something that we enjoy. So why don't we talk about how we can both give feedback and receive feedback better?
2: Now, you just said it's difficult and painful, but we have people all the time tell us, hey, give me feedback. I want the feedback.
1: Do people really want the feedback when they say they want the feedback?
0: I think so, but maybe it just comes from a place of wanting to know how they stand. You know, how other people perceive them. Or maybe they mean they
2: want feedback confirming what they already think they know about themselves.
1: Either way, there's no denying giving and receiving feedback is a challenging task, So it's one people like to avoid if they can until the last possible moment.
2: And as we'll talk about, that
0: leads to making it much more challenging. So to start, what is feedback? You know, like, can we get on the same page about what we're talking about here? The definition of feedback?
1: Feedback is information sent to the person or the team about its prior behavior. So the person or the team can adjust its future behavior.
0: So when I think about feedback, I think about the idea of mindlessly repeating a task. You know, we get into these work patterns where we work until we're comfortable, until negative feedback stops, until we stop making mistakes. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're building skills, that we're getting better. I think about driving. I've driven for years now. And I'm not a NASCAR driver, even though I've driven for 10, 20. I don't know how old I am at this point. However many years I've been driving but I haven't built those skills. Why? Because I haven't had somebody who's an expert driver looking at my performance and giving me feedback that I can then act on to improve my future behavior. Feedback is the critical piece there. It's missing. And that's why my driving is not that great.
2: <laughs> There's a lot of reasons for that, Jeremy. What, what Jeremy's so eloquently said is feedback is not about the past. It is very easy to make it about that past behavior that person did, but good feedback is about the future. It's about getting that person better for the future. And that's what we should be focusing on when we give and receive feedback.
1: And it's not necessarily negative. It can be positive, too. You know, Jeremy might have been a great driver one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on, guys. Like, leave my driving out of it, <laughs> what you? You brought
2: it up, man. You brought it up.
0: Anyway, so I guess what you two need to listen to is why it's important to give feedback and how we should actually be giving it in a kind and effective way. You know, to have an effective team, you need to build relationships. And in order to build those relationships that make it safe to give feedback, you need trust. And I don't know if I trust y'all's two opinions right now.
2: (laughs) Trust is such a key part of having a great team and you're not going to get trust unless you can build that relationship And a big part of that in the professional world is to be able to give and receive feedback.
0: So jumping into the trust piece, I think it would be really good to transition to this idea of radical candor. And this is a solid book that we recommend. It was written by Kim Scott. You know, it's for bosses who are managing their teams, but we've sort of adapted the concept to fill our team here in medicine. So
2: step one in her book is to build trust. And how she recommends that you do that is to make sure that you care personally about the person. So this isn't superficial caring. This is caring about that other person on a human level.
1: Learning what's important to that person and what makes that person want to get out of bed in the morning.
2: And then once you care personally about a person, then you're able to challenge them
0: directly.
1: You tell people when their work is or isn't good enough because you care about them.
0: And I think this is really interesting because it is the combination of caring personally and challenging directly that describes and encompasses radical candor. Kim Scott has a whole chart in her book, which we'll throw in the show notes. It's this two by two matrix of caring and challenging. So for example, if you challenge somebody directly, but you don't care at all, this is a term that she calls obnoxious aggression. And way back on the other end, if you don't really care at all, and you don't challenge people at all, then this is just manipulative insincerity. To
2: add to what Jeremy's saying, if you care personally about a person, but you're afraid to give them feedback based on how you think they're going to react, she calls that ruinous empathy.
0: And I think this is an interesting point because, yeah, you might care a lot about a person and want to see them thrive. But if you see somebody working in a way that's not good enough and you don't say anything, you might care about them, but you're actually causing harm, ruinous harm. Absolutely.
2: So guys, where, where do you think the normal spectrum of medicine falls on this chart?
1: I kind of argue the ruinous empathy. I think a lot of people in medicine do care. Not everybody, but a lot of people. There is a culture in medicine where silence is kind of the norm from what I've experienced.
0: I think it depends on the environment and the behaviors that have been normalized. You know, I think our team has done a better job in recent times about rewarding behaviors that give challenging feedback. And uh, you know, not, not taking it out on the person who's giving the feedback necessarily, but welcoming that as something that's required for change. I do think that the ruinous empathy piece happens when people are silent. Maybe they are actually afraid of giving feedback. But I also think when people get fed up, when people are frustrated with situations, instead of necessarily giving feedback to fix it, in medicine. I have seen quite a few times when we've had obnoxious aggressors who don't care about solving the problem that, that much, but are happy to challenge what's going on with the situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think in medicine, I hope we hit radical candor sometimes. I do think we fall in either the ruinous empathy or obnoxious aggression category all too much. If you think the classic angry, pimping, attending... That is obviously obnoxious aggression. Now that happens hopefully less and less these days than it did uh, back in the day. Uh, But equally, if in fact, as we talked about, more damaging is that ruinous empathy category. So if you're not giving the person feedback, how are they supposed to get any better?
0: And I think that's such a good point to end on. If you care about somebody, then you should be giving them feedback. And on the flip side, if you think somebody cares about you, you should be asking them for feedback. All right, can we move over to how we give feedback? So
2: we should definitely compliment them, give feedback, and then compliment them again,
0: right? I believe that's what's called the sh- sandwich. Rachel, did you just bleep me?
1: Jeremy, this is a family show.
0: Yeah, but this is important. This is an actual term. I'm trying to say the sh- sandwich. Okay, se- <laughs> no, se- the sh- sandwich. Seriously, the sh- <laughs> You know what? I'm done. <laughs> so what about... The open-faced sandwich. <laughs> you beeped, John, too. That's impressive. Okay, so what what is this what we're talking about? Can we? I feel like we got distracted in so many beeps. What is this feedback strategy you mentioned? It, it was a piece of positive feedback, then a piece of negative feedback, followed by another piece of positive feedback. Am I understanding yes, that right?
2: Or the open-faced sandwich is if you give a positive feedback and then the negative.
0: Ooh, you just leave them with the negative thought to say. Just leave it. them hanging. So, okay. So, is there an order I'm supposed to present this in? Like, now I'm just confused.
2: Well, I am uh, embarrassed to say that there was a point in my career where I thought one or both of these was the best method in giving feedback. But if you do this on a regular basis, your folks are going to know about it and they're going to totally not listen to that first piece of positive feedback, waiting for the negative that they know is coming. And then they're going to be so focused on the negative that they don't hear the next positive feedback. So you might as well not even said them.
1: Really, when it comes to giving feedback, the main thing you want to start off with is a very simple opening phrase. You simply ask them, can I give you some feedback? If they say no, you do not give them any feedback.
0: You know, and I think that's such a good point. I have been in so many situations where people are like, hey, can I give you some feedback? And I say, no, that's it's really not a good time. And they're like, "Okay, well, it's just going to be really quick. Like, yo, if you're going to ask the question, be ready for the answer. If I say no, you got to respect that and come back later. Yeah.
2: And, I, and honestly, you should be happy they said no. It means they are willing to be open and honest with you about how they're feeling. That's a good thing. In medicine, it is uh, so easy for us to neglect this question. And man, our jobs are hard sometimes. So if you neglect this question, you're going to catch somebody at a bad time that's not ready and willing to receive
0: feedback. And it's not going to go well for you. I
2: know I have definitely done that before.
0: It's really all about having that emotional intelligence to read the person and understand where they're coming from, where their headspace is at, and what they're thinking of. Feedback can be very threatening to somebody who's receiving it. To that end, it's really important to focus on a behavior when you're giving feedback rather than the person themselves. So if I was giving feedback for a central line, for example, I could say something like, you really didn't do a good job on that central line. And that is not an actionable feedback piece. A better thing to say would be, hey, when you held your ultrasound probe in that orientation, you lost focus of your needle. It's different. Instead of saying you didn't do a good job, which is very personal, when you held your ultrasound this way focuses on what that person did. It's much less personal.
2: It's specific and it has a behavior that they can change. And remember, behavior change... Being better in the
0: future is the whole point of this. So going back to our central line example, starting with the behavior, when you hold your ultrasound probe that way, make sure you end the sentence with focusing on the impact of that behavior. You lose the orientation of your needle or you do XYZ because it lets them figure out the implications of their behavior and whether or not they want to continue doing that action or if they would like to fix it. So then the following component after talking about the behavior and then the impact, what's next?
1: Next, you want to discuss the next steps. This is a really important part. This isn't about what happened. You're not focusing on the past. You are aiming for the future. What can they do differently next time? You want to ask an open-ended question that way they can answer it. It's much better than you telling them what to do. This way, they're coming about it in their own way. They'll remember it better in the future.
0: So going back to our central line example, how could you hold your ultrasound differently in the future? And they can manipulate the ultrasound probe, turn it this way and that way. Maybe I should hold it like this. And you say, yes, that's exactly what I would do in the future. So much better than saying you didn't do a good job on that central line.
2: And and so just a quick cap for you guys. Are they open to see feedback? State the behavior. Describe the impact. Discuss next steps.
0: So what's the optimal timing for giving feedback? You know, after this bad central line, how late, how soon, when should I tell them? So I really like the phrase
2: as soon as it's practical. So in the moment as we've all I'm sure seen before, it's not always best. It can be, it depends on the situation, you have to use your emotional intelligence, but If that person is really upset about something that happened with the patient, not the best time to do that. Kind of just like in the debrief world, there's hot and cold debriefs. And Jeremy can probably speak to this a little more. Sometimes we want to do that hot debrief right after a code ends. But if we had a particularly emotional event, maybe we do a cold debrief a couple hours later after everyone's cooled down a little bit.
0: Yeah, and this really taps back into that emotional intelligence piece. Sometimes you got to read the room and figure it out. Uh, back to our central line example, if this person's very flustered and frustrated after trying to put this line in for however many minutes, and they're visibly upset with themselves, probably not the best time to say, hey, are you ready for some feedback? That would be considered the hot feedback situation. Maybe you should wait until the night has kind of calmed down a little bit. They've gotten on top of their work tasks. And you could say something like, hey, are you ready to talk about that line really quick? Yeah, I
2: was going to ask you guys public or private for feedback? What do you think?
0: Uh, Again, it's a read the room thing for me. There are some things that could be easily done in public, and it's not a big deal. There are other things that can be done in private. And I realize this is a very non-committal answer. So let me do this. For anything that's very personal, or something that the learner has struggled with, or if the learner has any sort of psychosocial stress that you perceive, that feedback should probably be done in private. And then I think for things that are no big deal, like just minor tweaks that anybody could have missed. And if those things could serve as a teaching point for other people that you're around, I think we have the responsibility to make that feedback public, to also normalize the act of giving feedback and receiving feedback. Sometimes I'll do a couple days of only positive feedback. And what that means is when it's time for me to give them negative feedback, they're more primed to be able to listen to what I have to say because they know that I'm trying to behave as a coach and not somebody who's just trying to break them down. There's always time for people to improve. And when you're just starting off to nitpick every little thing that people do wrong, it just makes scaffolding new information more complicated and makes people nervous.
2: So let's say you're listening to this podcast. You're like, man, they're right. I don't give enough feedback. I'm in that ruinous empathy category on accident, mostly because I was just trying to be nice to people. I know I need to do it. How do I make that change?
1: I think it's all about starting low and slow if you compare negative feedback to like a weight you're not going to give somebody a 50 pound weight right off the bat right you're going to give them a two pound weight and see how they work with it and slowly over time you're going to build up that trust that relationship where you can give kind of the heavier more emotionally tough feedback
0: adding a little nerdiness to my gym habits. That is a term called linear progression, (laughs) and it is very important for muscle growth and Mm crossbridge formation.
2: Look at you, Jeremy.
0: I put physiology in a feedback podcast. Impressive (laughs) props, man. Literature around
2: this says make the change, commit to positive only feedback for six to eight weeks, which is a really long time. Then you can move into negative. But again, you're still not hitting the big, scary negatives. Start with small, easy-to-change behaviors that are negative and move from there. If you give positive feedback, use the exact same formula we gave you. Ask them, can I give you some feedback? And watch their body language tense up because they're expecting negative feedback. We
0: all associate the word feedback with negative. I think that's such a great exercise, honestly, to literally just give positive feedback for six weeks and make it that intentional change. I would challenge people who have been giving feedback for years to do this once a year where you do nothing but positive feedback to your team for six weeks, nothing negative. And I think you'd be surprised at the outcomes, the behavior changes that you end up seeing and how much more people are ready to trust you and come to you for information and advice when you're not just nitpicking their every behavior. I think this is something that I'm going to start doing uh, maybe tomorrow,
2: maybe the next six weeks. So three of us only give positive feedback.
0: So how often should we be giving feedback? You know, we've been giving feedback for years, for never. How often is the ideal amount of feedback for an individual?
2: You
1: want to start it once daily. But remember, only do the positive feedback initially. And then you slowly increase that until you're doing it several times a shift.
2: There's an actual ratio from the business world. Uh, The MBAs will quote you, you should be giving 5 to 1 positive to negative ratio feedback. So... For every one negative feedback statement, you should be giving that person five positives. You guys think we're anywhere near that in medicine? Honest answer? Yeah,
0: honest. I think we're probably, I think we're probably inverse I that. Agree. I agree. Yeah, in fact, agree. I, I think that we might be five to zero. <laughs> or Well, zero to five, I should say. One to five, Maybe, maybe? I would be inclined to believe that of the medical trainees who have graduated onto bigger and better things, If we were to lay out in an Excel spreadsheet how much negative feedback they received versus the positive, it would be an insurmountable comparison between the two.
2: I bet you that exists in every major medical profession too. It's not just physicians, not just APPs, not just nurses.
0: Yeah, I think so. And personally, so me being the med ed person I am, I have studied a lot about educational practices in medicine, and most of them are tribalistic and passed down from your own educational experiences. So first of all, who trained you and what cohort you trained in will determine how you train other people. And many of us were trained in not necessarily harsh corrective criticism, but a lot of negative criticism. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it that way. Don't include this. Make, don't you know don't do that, blah blah blah. And there were some moments in my own training where I was congratulated and praised and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's historic. Maybe that's just the way that things have been passed down in our busy medical culture.
2: I think the busyness adds a huge component to that. I think the other component to it is our educators are seeing the future where we have patients' lives in our hands. And so they want us to get into that situation and do the best job we can for the patient. And so sometimes maybe they felt like the only way they knew how to do that was through negative feedback.
0: So biggest barriers to giving feedback or receiving feedback. What do you think?
1: I think one of the biggest is previous experiences with feedback.
0: Feedback is a yucky word to me. Yeah.
1: It's negative for sure.
2: We talked about not using the word feedback, but current, at least my current thought is that's a mistake too. Let's take back the word feedback to mean positive feedback as well. Let's take it to be closer
0: to the word coaching. I was just going to say, I, I'm not sure if I have your back on taking back the word feedback because it's hard to take words back, but I'm all in on the coaching camp. Coaching is something that I have tried to make normal in medicine because it's such a good idea. You know, thinking about a basketball coach, soccer coach, somebody who has you drill the things that you're weak in and gives, you know, minor corrective feedback here and there and is always there cheering you on on the sidelines. I would love to see that type of system in medicine where we are our trainees' cheerleaders on the sidelines while they're doing what they know how to do. Absolutely.
1: The environment that you're in, especially if like let's say I'm in a code and there is someone that I don't get to see very often and I'm not able to give them feedback in that moment, but then they leave and they go off to the, to do their own thing. And I'm not able to give them that cold feedback.
2: Like I may not work with you guys on a shift for a long period of time. So if you were saving some feedback to not give me hot feedback last shift, you may not see me for a month. Well, then it would be silly to give me feedback on that PE patient I saw a month ago.
0: And it feels bad to call somebody on their off day especially after they just finished a a big stretch of night shifts, they probably did a lot of really good things and maybe missed one or two things. What are you going to call them at home when they wake up at 2pm? Yo, hey, just wanted to follow up about blah, blah, blah. Can I give you some feedback? That's such a yucky phone call to get. And, you know, frankly, I think if the purpose of feedback is to, to improve future behaviors, that's probably not it. I'm not saying that you withhold adverse patient outcomes or decisions that were made or questions or, or whatever just for the sake of saving somebody's mental health. But what I do think is we probably need to take a step back as the person giving feedback and ask the question, is this feedback going to make this person better? The last thing that I want to talk about in terms of barriers to feedback is ego. Mm. And this could be the ego of the person giving feedback. You know, Maybe you don't want to be seen as that person. Or this could be the ego of the person receiving feedback. And this is what I see most commonly. We, myself included, this is something I struggle with, wrap our own perceptions of ourselves in our performance in our job. And what that means is that if we fail in a domain of our job, many of us take that failure personally. It doesn't mean that I'm not good at central lines. It means that I might not be cut out for critical care. It means that I didn't work hard enough in preparation for this procedure. It's a lot harder to take that feedback when your ego gets in the way. For me, it's been a continual process of trying to remove that ego, trying to reframe my perspective, but also acknowledging the fact that I'm failable and imperfect. And in order to become better, deliberate practice necessitates me breaking down my own performance into little tiny bits and refining that, recognizing that the little tiny bits are very imperfect until it can get better. And the key to getting those little tiny bits better has to be feedback. Somebody has to tell me what I'm doing wrong, or things that I could do better. But ego, I I mean, I think that definitely gets no
2: absolutely. You made me think about the other classic barrier in medicine that we haven't talked about yet. And that's power gradients. We all three of us on this podcast are APPs. Let's talk about giving feedback to physicians from APPs, giving feedback up and down the power gradient spectrum. And then all three of us have been doing this for a while. What about a new APP or nurse or doctor
0: giving us feedback? Yeah. Power gradients are a big thing. It's very threatening for me to consider giving somebody who's quote up the, you know, up the chain uh, who has a lot more perceived or real power than I do. Me, me, telling them, Hey, can I give you some feedback? That's hard. And I've been doing this for a while. Do you give people up the power gradient feedback?
1: I used to, when I got off training, aggressively ask everybody I worked with, with, do you have any feedback for me? Like every day, no matter what. I remember that. But I've had situations with physicians where I've been like, Hey, can you give me some feedback? And they gave, they give me some honest, good feedback. And then they asked me kind of jokingly, you know, do you have any feedback for me? Um, and I remember a particular one time where I did have feedback and the person themselves did not receive it very well. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of that is you have to recognize that people don't necessarily know how to receive feedback. And even if you say, hey, are you ready for feedback? Or if they seem open to it, they may not actually be open to it.
2: Yeah, you have to have that trusting relationship.
1: I'd argue with any kind of power difference, quote unquote, uh, perceived it may take more than six to eight weeks. It may take 12 to 15.
0: Right. So this story is real, uh, but it occurred at an unknown hospital. So just to keep everything you know, anonymous and all that, but was in rounds and we had a couple of trainees with us with the attending physician and the attending physician was a brilliant individual asking a ton of questions to this particular individual who had been in the ICU for some time um, with the team. And this attending was asking questions in rapid succession, and they were difficult questions about hemodynamics and physiology and all this kind of stuff. And I was so impressed because this individual looked to the attending and said, excuse me, can I say something really quick? And the attending's like, sure. And they said, you know, when you ask me questions, the way you're asking them right now, I feel threatened and it makes me want to shut down. And I was like, Yo, everybody in rounds was watching this happen, and i I think everybody was taken aback, but the way the attending, you know stood back and reflected on what this person said, I, it was really impactful to me. you know, I don't I, that line of questioning ended up stopping, and we started talking about like communication styles and that kind of stuff. So that's what came of that conversation. But I think it was really striking and interesting how everybody reacted when somebody gave that level of feedback publicly up the chain, you know, from a power gradient of perceived less power to more power. And I don't think that happens a lot. No, it doesn't. You know, you think about the consultant who blows you up on your phone and is not kind. Would you feel comfortable, you know, hot or cold saying, hey, when you talk to me in that way, that's hard to do.
2: Absolutely. So, I don't think everybody who gives you feedback in your life is going to listen to this wonderful podcast about feedback. Maybe they don't read any literature on giving feedback. So, they may not all deliver it perfectly. So, what do you do if somebody gives you feedback in a harsh or incorrect manner or they're frustrated
0: with you and they're giving you feedback? What happens then? Hmm. I think if somebody gives you very challenging feedback that is not in line with this podcast, filtering through that challenging feedback and asking for specific suggestions to improve can be helpful. So if somebody gives you feedback that might feel like a hit at your character, filtering through that and saying, okay, what can I do differently in the future? If you're going to offer the person an explanation for why you did the thing that they're frustrated with or giving you feedback about, state the facts. Don't overdo it. It looks defensive and it looks like you're not accepting feedback. And again, at all times asking what can I do differently next time keeping that growth mindset understanding that hey get your ego out of the way it's not about you it's about doing better in the future
2: yeah I think that question is so key it just decompresses the whole situation it, it should let their frustration with you if they are frustrated start to dissipate because they know you're serious about changing so if you can say what can I do differently next time you're going to make that situation so much better
0: can I add in a little piece? This may not necessarily be as applicable in medicine, but definitely in real life, a lot of people are going to give you feedback. And if this is a person that you don't want to be like, if this is a person who's not doing the things that you want to be doing and they give you challenging feedback, you don't always need to necessarily accept that feedback at face value. You should be respectful about it, and say thank you for the feedback, but Some people really aren't good at giving feedback, and sometimes feedback shouldn't be given. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about kind
2: of informal, quick feedback. Uh, So we've got a couple medical educators on this podcast, and all three of us take part of onboarding new APP residents and physicians. So let's talk a little bit about formal versus informal feedback. So you've got summative assessments, summative evaluations, yearly performance evaluations, HR style. You've got formal sit-down discussions with your program director or your mentor or your clinical educator. Let's talk about those. How is that different than what we're talking about so far?
0: So I surprisingly have strong feelings about this. And I think the best way to explain this, going back to our sports coach analogy, I think the yearly performance summative evaluations are almost like your statistics for the season, your personal stats. You know, they're sterile. It's information. It's people that you may or may not have a relationship with. It's valuable information for you to be able to take and then process and use in the future and compare it to your previous year's statistics to make sure that you made your improvements. But that's not, in my opinion, the place where real growth is happening. Your real growth is happening in the informal and real-time feedback sessions. People who are with you can give you little micro-adjustments that you can make and encouragement for the things that you are doing well. And so, in my mind, when I look at places who only do yearly and summative performance evaluations, what a missed opportunity it is to really get down in the trenches with people and actually coach them.
2: Yeah, I think... Uh, If you ever walk into an eval with someone that you're going to give them feedback and they don't already know what you're going to say, then we failed as educators and leaders. If it's the first time they're hearing it, you didn't do your job the rest of the year. So if I'm teaching Jeremy to drive a car, which apparently he needs some help in anyways, I'm making little micro adjustments as he's driving. I'm not waiting until he is careening off the edge of the of the road, aiming for the cliff. I should be making micro adjustments the whole time he's driving. And then we never go towards the cliff.
0: Hey, John, can I give you some feedback? Yes. When you keep making jokes about my driving, it makes me feel like you can't find a new <laughs> joke. In the future, I think that you should find a different <laughs> joke to make on this podcast. That was I waited well
2: 40 minutes for that joke, Jeremy.
0: <laughs> it aged well like fine wine. Oh my gosh. All right. So let's hit a summary. Remember, feedback is information sent from a person to another person. And it's not about who you are. It's not about your past. It's about looking to the future and being better.
2: So we reviewed the radical candor concept, an awesome book by Kim Scott. The importance here is to build trust. And you do that by caring personally about somebody and then challenge them directly.
1: When you give feedback, you don't want to give the sandwich open our closed Oh, you got
2: bleeped. Uh, Everybody got bleeped.
1: You want to start off with a simple opening phrase. Can I give you some feedback? Mention the behavior that they're doing and the impact it makes and discuss next steps. Look toward the future.
0: Have that emotional intelligence to tell whether it's time for some hot feedback in the moment when all the feelings are being felt, or maybe some cold feedback when things have had time to settle down. You should really not probably let the incident go more than a week. And make sure that if you're going to call somebody on their off day after a night shift, that the behavior you're about to try and give feedback about is something that you think you can actually change by calling somebody when they first wake up after a night shift.
2: The positive to negative ratio, according to research, should be five to one. We don't think we're anywhere near that in medicine, and the three of us are going to start
0: the trend to change that. Positive feedback only for six whole weeks.
1: There's a lot of barriers to feedback. Things like power gradients or really emotional situations. But the big thing is being open to receiving feedback and giving feedback more frequently to make it more the norm.
2: And when learning how to receive feedback, first of all, ask for feedback. Asking for feedback is a strength. It is not a weakness. And so this will immediately improve your standings with your educators and coworkers. If someone is giving you feedback in a frustrated or incorrect manner, ask them for specific behaviors that you can change. State your facts, but don't overexplain yourself and ask them the awesome question What can I do differently next time?
0: And just remember if you're an institution that is only doing end of year summative evaluations, summative feedback sessions, you are missing a valuable opportunity for down and dirty in the trenches coaching, which is what feedback should be all about making our people better thanks for joining us and if you have any feedback for us why don't you go ahead and reach out just make sure it's a behavior that we can actually change hit us at com. until next time keep breathing keep streaming and keep reading and give positive feedback Woo! <laughs> 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 now i'm hungry
2: for sandwich <laughs> yeah that was good